Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready to awaken to the truth of your soul? Welcome to today's episode of the Nadia Khalil Morning Show with your host, Nadia Khalil. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to today's show. Today is already the last day of April. Tomorrow will be May 1st. I can't believe it. We're it's so cold out here in Southern California, and, and I know cold is relatively speaking, but it's cooler than normal. I mean, no sun, and when the sun's out, we're great, and when it's not, we're not. But I do want to make a comment about our chat. Um, we have this chat that, for some reason in the past two weeks, the dynamics of the chat has changed. And I don't know exactly what going on. However, I have not been able to get on in it. So today it allows me, it says that I'm there. I still don't know how to post, but it does say that I'm there and it's calling me Christ's corner. But the crazy part was I never wrote that. It used to just say the name of the show. So whoever put Christ's corner in there, you got me. And, um, I think I can actually type in it now. I'm going to try and see if Francis gets my um, my thing. Yes, I'm, I'm able to go ahead and do that, but it did name me. I didn't name myself, so I think that's just absolutely weird. What a way to start the morning, just on basic good old blog talk weird. But either way, here we are. Today's show, today's show self-worth, and I love talking about the real subtle stuff because that's what Christ does. It's not like Christ commented on a lot of the big things that have happened, and a lot of times when I first saw Christ, I thought, oh, man, boys, I, you know, he's going to have a lot to say about this, and I'm going to be up all night writing about it, and then nothing happened. And then somebody might make this weird snide remark, and I'll spend days writing about it. So I just thought self-worth is one of those things. It's like nothing we talk about, nothing. But at the same time, we think about it all the time. Why did I do this? Why didn't I do that? How did I accept this? Like, there's people we meet and we say, well, how did I accept that? How did I let someone do that to me? And we, we kind of, you know, get a little thrown off our own balance, knowing that we allowed something to come to us that really wasn't that cool, wasn't that great. We just didn't know what we didn't know. But being aware of all of these things, just self-worth, That's where your life, it changes. Because as you start to meet new people and as you start to reassess why you don't feel good in your environment, it all goes back to self-worth. And I know I put a post out um, the other day. I think it was, well, now more than that, like April, April 23rd, it turned out. Self-worth is knowing we do not need anything back for the actions that we take. 
and everyone's like, yeah, you know, I never thought of it that way. Well, I'll tell you. A question Leah wrote was, hi, Nadia, is self-worth, if self-worth wants nothing back, can it be gained before you do what it tells you to do that you need self-worth for? It seems like it can only come into existence through choosing whatever it is you want nothing back from, if that, if that is what it is. And I thought self-worth isn't like, a, um, what is that called, the chest pin or, yeah, a piece of chest on a chessboard. That's not what self-worth is about. And it's not not wanting anything back from one thing or another. It becomes part of our personality. And I'll give you a great example of how it works. When I was filming and the people were here and they had me film this whole 10-part series about self-love and you know, being filmed and talking for me isn't my normal thing. I'm used to being like I am now. I have my leggings on and a, a sweat coat and my hair's in a ponytail and I get to talk and I just go about my business afterwards. But there I have to be dressed and I have to do this and that. And so to to just talk on cue was really weird for me. But then one day I said, well, you know what, just par for the course. I know it's different. I know it's weird. I know that they keep telling me to stop or if a car goes by, we have to stop. And, you know, there's a lot of editing and all that kind of stuff. But I said, really, let's just see what happens. Instead of, oh, my God, this has to be okay. I knew that if I just said what I needed to say, I would be okay. And it took off all that stress. And while I was filming, two really big things happened. Because you've got to think, this was for five weeks. And two things happened that could have just thrown me off my entire balance for the day. One on a Friday afternoon, one on a Thursday morning. And I just knew I have to film whatever that is. I'll take care of it when I have time. I don't have time to do that now. And I just went on. Now, the people filming me, and there were two of them, a man and a woman, really beautiful people. They've been around many, many, like, self-help, self-promoting type atmospheres to get people to learn how to love themselves and get people to learn the top three things to change your life tomorrow and all this stuff. And they've been there everywhere. So they thought they were going to come here and have two or three meetings with me, film a show and leave. That's their job. That's what they do. But then the magic of self-love and self-worth started entering their world. And it was nothing they'd felt before. And I said, you guys have to tell me what's going on because I don't know what to call myself. 
I don't know what I do. I just see it happen over and over again. For 17 years, I've watched people's souls bridge themselves back to themselves. I was watching self-worth penetrate their hearts. And I'm, I'm seeing it. And every day they're coming back and they're excited and they have more questions. And I'm still talking about it. And I brought it up now three or four times in the shows because I got to witness what I don't know how to put words on other than bridging your soul back to you. But let me tell you part five of the story, which is them going back to Canada and being reintroduced to their environment after they'd been here for five weeks. And for me, because I feel like everybody's mother, and I feel even people older than me, I feel like I'm a mom. Because in my heart, I want to take care of everybody. And in the last 17 years, I had to understand what that meant. Because sometimes I literally wanted to take care of everyone. I wanted everyone to be part of my family. But I didn't know how to do that. And over time, I realized all I have to do is love everyone the way I love them. There's, there's nothing more I can actually do because there isn't enough physical space or time or me or whatever to do it. But it took me a long time to get there. But here these people are in my home and they come and I'm like, are you guys hungry? And, you know, they come to the kitchen and I'll cook while we talk. And then we go back into the living room, we film, and it just goes on and on. It just went on for days. So here they go back into their environment. And the first thing the girl wrote back to me was, what did you do to me? Because she went back to her environment and didn't know what the heck hit her. And I said, this is you. And what you're going back to is why you didn't feel good before. And now you have the strength to face it. Doesn't mean anyone's good or bad or right or wrong. They're living in the energy they were living in. You just went back with some strength that you didn't have before. So now you could see the stuff that's going on around you and that was going on around you that made you feel like you were in despair prior to you leaving. What happened was she wanted them to know what she knew, and she didn't know how to teach them. And I said, you know what? When you guys edit the tapes and the class is out, show it to them. And everyone's saying, you know, what's different? What did you guys do over there? Well, what did she teach you? Well, who is she? Oh, well, you know, this other philosopher said something like that and this and that, and that's all fine and great. But it was just the love. I really loved them. I enjoyed every minute of taping, even when I was at my most tired, even when I thought I couldn't say another word. 
or change into another set of clothes. I just got tired. I mean, after five weeks, and we did literally 12-hour days, except for maybe we'd take one day off in the middle, and then on those days, I would pick up shopping and all of that, but they gave me a gift of watching how much we are worth, not only not only to each other, but to ourselves and to the environments we live in. And self-worth doesn't pick and choose the situations because now we're manipulating ourselves into self-worth. Self-worth is solid. It's like if you were to be standing on a building, it's the concrete that can hold up the tallest building you could ever stand on. It is amazing, amazing the strength that it builds underneath you when you don't need anything back for whatever it is you do. And I have to say that subtlety took me a long time to understand. Even though I knew, like, you know, I always use that car dealer analogy. You go to a car dealer and if you need the car that day, you're going to make a deal that's probably not good for you. But if you can wait, if you can walk away, if you could do those two things, you're going to make a really good deal because you're going to have the presence of mind. And if you don't get the car, you don't get the car. It wasn't meant for you, and you get that. And you have the patience to wait for the search and everything you need to do as a result of it. So in life, what does that look like? Let's say you're in a relationship. You have a friend, just a regular friend, not a relationship like you're dating or married or anything like that, but just a friend, not your kid, not your cousin, not your parents. And that friend, you understand, you don't own in any way. That's why you have such a good friendship. Because most of the time, we don't need to control our friends. We trust that they'll be fine. We trust that they'll be okay. If we don't talk for a couple of days, we trust that they'll take on whatever situation they get, and they will do well by it. Now, take that mentality and put that on yourself. Trust that you will be okay. Any situation you'll take, you'll be fine with. And when you see your friend again and you say, hey, this is what my week was like, you can talk in that objective tone that, hey, this is what life gave me. This is what I did with it. What did you do with your life? And you're fine. Now, your kid does the same thing your friend does, and you're like, how could you do that? Why would you choose that? And all of a sudden, objectivity is out the window because you need something back from your kid. What do you need back from your kid? That your kid is doing something that will benefit their future. That your kid is doing something that will make you look good or make them look good or make someone look good. Because we need something back. Isn't that the craziest? 
So as we grow in life, we start to realize that whatever we don't need anything back from usually works out quite well because we don't add pressure, we don't add fear, doubt, worry, control, or guilt on it. It just takes ego out of the equation and leaves you this opening in life for you to breathe and just walk in and say, hey, you know what? I had nothing planned for today. This sounds good. I'll be fine. It's a day in my life. And I just want to breathe. I just want to enjoy myself. I don't want to argue with anybody. I don't want to cause someone to, you know, bend them like a pretzel to get what I need from them. Sometimes in business we have to go into meetings and and come out with a deal, come out with a sale. I remember, I was a salesperson. I remember all the stuff they just, you know, do what you have to do and come back with your sale. And I'd be like, well, what would I have to do? And I remember so clearly walking into company after company, leaving my little pamphlets and, and after a while realizing that it would take six times of me stopping by before somebody actually did business with me. And I started seeing the, the like, it was like a, almost like a template every time I'd go. And, you know, by the time I showed up six times, I realized nobody else showed up six times, and that got me in the door. Because by then, they'd seen me so much. They know my name. I know their name. I know everybody's name. I know how the company works. I would go and investigate, but I never went in expecting to get a meeting that first time in a close. I understood the process. But one day, one of the gatekeepers at the front desk, just like, was so tired of people coming in and leaving stuff. And she's like, yeah, you're like the first, the, no, not the first. I definitely wasn't that. But some number of how many people had come in that day. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, they left me this pile of stuff. This pile of stuff is from people who come in all day. And I'm like, yeah. And then I thought, okay, but they're not my competition. She looked at me like, you're crazy. And I said, no. My competition is someone who loves their job as much as I do. And I loved my job. That's the job I had when I saw Christ. It was that area, that Monrovia, California. I have to tell you guys something about that area because not only did I see Christ in it, I started handwriting before I saw Christ all this stuff. The things that happened to me, the restaurant that I saw Christ in, on the corner of the restaurant, on the corner outside when I was on my normal sales run for the day, I was at a red light. And a man who was turning like right on, I was going like north and he was going south, and he was going to turn right. And he stopped his truck, got out of his car, and came to my car window and asked me who I was. And I'm looking at him like, this guy's crazy. First, I got scared. And I don't know what he saw, but it was on that corner. It happened to me again half a block away by another man who was walking with a cane. 
And I never understood what to tell them because I didn't know what they meant by, like, who are you? And it was still all new to me. But my self-worth at the time was in my people-pleasing stage where I wanted to please everybody. I wanted people to be happy. And whatever I had to do to do that, I did. But I got myself in a lot of trouble with that thinking. I know it sounds funny. You know, here I'm like, my goal is to make people happy. But I attracted a lot of people who used me or wanted something from me. I couldn't give them. And it was like, here they got this people pleaser right in their, their place. And there was nothing I could ever do to please them. And it became a challenge. And it became all these things that just, you know, I couldn't figure it out. Like, what more can I do and all this business? And now I say, why would I give that my time? Who died and left me in charge of making someone happy? That's their job. I can't make anybody happy. And that realization made me realize that if I'm not happy, if I need them to be happy as a result of my existence, they're never going to be happy. And you know what? They never were. They were the people that got mad at me, the ones I tried to please the most because they didn't get what they wanted out of me, and that was a life support system of some kind that I offered. I was like the free admin assistant in my relationships. Let me take care of everything. And I did. And believe it or not, it was easy for me until I realized that nothing will ever make them happy. I can never do enough. Every day is like Groundhog Day, meaning no matter what I've done to that point, none of it matters. And I didn't get it. I'm like, how could this not be building? Because I expected my love and my what I thought was a high self-worth to do the work for me. But if somebody didn't love themselves, there was no work getting done. So every day it was more of a, what have you done for me lately, lately being the operative word, as opposed to, gosh, you know, we're really building a great life together. It was me doing the work and them telling me if it was good enough or not. And I, I put myself there because that's what I thought my self-worth was. If everybody around me was happy with me, I have done my job. That was the furthest thing from self-worth you could have ever had. I thought I had enough love for everyone, even the people who didn't want to love themselves or were just mad at the world. And I was going to fix them. And I found out there were no fixing. And it broke my heart because for a while, as a result of me realizing that, I didn't know who I was. I was so invested in making people happy that I didn't know how to reel myself back and make myself happy without that. It was like a missing piece. 
and I didn't know where to get it. If you could imagine a chessboard without the king on it, that was me. I had all my pieces there except the biggest piece, and that was me. And that realization of trying just to get a shred of who I was in my own life. Thank God for Christ. I would have never, I would still be doing that. And I wouldn't even know why. But now I just say, wait a minute. Can I change that person? No. Can I tell them what I know? Yes. If the opportunity comes up, I've started asking for permission. Because what I found out knowing Christ was that the conversation I have in my head with myself about myself is the most important conversation I could ever have, that I have to represent this soul that's in this body while it's here. So what do my conversations sound like? That's even the more important thing. Here you are going along in life feeling like, you know, the people around you aren't happy or not happy with you or something. But what does that sound like? Okay. You know what? I'm not happy about this situation. It really hurt me. I feel like I'm still assessing what happened. I'm I'm still trying to figure out what happened. I don't like what happened. But you know what? I need time. And in a couple of days, a week, maybe even a month, however long it takes, I'll figure it out. I don't have to figure it out today. I don't have to go twist anybody's arm for an answer. Time will answer that question. So that conversation is different than, gosh, what can I do today to prove to them how much I love them? What can I do for them that they don't even know is happening and I'll get it ready and I'll surprise them? You hear the difference? One is outside. What can I do to change things to make people love me? And the other one is trust and patience. We deserve to have the trust and patience conversations. We deserve to give ourselves space to make a decision and not just be reactive to what we believe. People don't even tell us what they want. We decide what they want. We do it for them. We take our time to do it for them. And they don't even know what that's worth. And they don't know what it's worth because we don't know what we're worth. But now that I've been doing this, I have noticed that some people that I knew from the very beginning are starting to kind of get the whole self-worth thing. And I see them reclaiming their soul. And both of them are women. Both of them have their own businesses. Both of them have said to me in their own ways, one through tears and one just through, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I accepted that. 
and now I'm I'm respecting their work more, their time more, because they are respecting their work more and their time more. And now, in my mind, because they are no holds barred about getting paid, which really bothered them before, or they wanted like a celebrity to want their product so that it will hit, and all this stuff that they thought would work for them from the outside in. Now that they're working from the inside out, I appreciate their time because they appreciate their time. When I get time, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I get to talk to them, and I know they're busy. And so my view of them has completely changed with their growth. Now that they don't need anything back from the world, ego doesn't have a playground. And now they are allowed to grow. And that's exactly what happened. It's not easy to say, I can release this when our brain is used to reacting. But if you can catch yourself in that moment and have the trust conversation as opposed to the wow conversation of wowing people into loving you, you'll know what that feels like. And it will take time if you're just starting, but give yourself that time. You can do it. If I can do it, and I'm like hardcore people pleaser, you can do it too. And you will. So try. Think about what you think about and how you think about it. You realize, oh, my gosh, I'm doing it. Guys, I love you. I will see you tomorrow on Relationship Wednesday. Have a great Tuesday. Bye-bye. You have been listening to today's Daily Dose of the Nadia Khalil Morning Show. To learn more, visit www.nadiakhalil.com.